Hello and welcome to The Huddle. Liam Santamaria back with you and uh, we're in the second half of the preseason coaches series. Five coaches in the books. Today we tick off the second half with my man Modi Mayor from the New Zealand Breakers. It's a new look set up back home in New Zealand for the Breakers this season and Modi's going to be a big part of that. So sit back, relax. Up next, Modi Mayor. Modi, how's it going, mate? Good to see you. Good to be seen. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I am good. Uh, great to great to have you on. This is. I'm looking forward to this because when I've mentioned, I've had a few people recently saying, "Who you got next on the coaches series? Who are you speaking to next?" And when I've mentioned you, they've said, "Oh, nice." I'm looking forward to getting to know him a little bit better. You're the international man of mystery. Yeah, mystery is is my middle name. <laughs> uh what's tomorrow the first day of spring how are things in new zealand right now blooming uh preseason in full swing everybody's in the building got my guys from tall blacks back which is nice so, yeah good days having and fun a big, a big weekend in the mayor household your daughter turned two on the weekend how was that yeah not bad not bad a little bit scary i did not notice i've been doing this fatherhood thing for two years not sure I'm any better than I was two years ago, which is another scary thing. So, yeah, one day at a time. Are you loving fatherhood? Yeah, very much, very much. Best part, uh, baby number two on the way also. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Awesome, awesome. Congratulations. Baby number one, who's no longer a baby, is now a toddler. What, what's her name? Amaya. Amaya. Yeah. Beautiful. How did you land on that? Ooh, uh... It's a long story for us. So it took us a while to become a family. Um, went through some challenges, got to New Zealand. Don't want to be too graphic, but I think maybe the first or second night when my wife joined me in New Zealand, Amaya was conceived, uh, was born nine months later. Um, yeah, so it's been a blessing. It's all been part of the Breakers experience for us. She went through the whole two years in Australia with us, bouncing around the first one, living in Melbourne, the second one. So she's been a big part of the whole Breakers experience. And so, hold on, I'm trying to work things out. So the fact that you and your wife didn't, didn't take too long to get things moving, how did that result in her being named Amaya? Uh, so Amaya is a Mori name. Uh, it symbolizes the halo around the moon in like a full moon, beautiful night. Uh, we were looking for something to symbolize the connection we felt to the place, and that's where we landed on. Um, obviously, it's my better half. She's a lot smarter than me and figured out all these things, and I just agree. So that's, that's how it went. That's beautiful. So do you feel part Kiwi now? No, I don't feel part Kiwi. Um, but I feel responsible for the breakers who represent a lot of what New Zealand is. Uh, and I feel blessed and to be here and I feel very welcomed in the country. So I don't consider myself part Kiwi, but I do feel a responsibility towards this place and what it represents. You spoke about that responsibility a little bit a little while ago when you took over the head coaching role from your mentor, Dan Shamir. One of the first things you started to do and say was about reconnecting the breakers to their Kiwi roots. Now, 
that you've shown that a little bit in your in the recruiting process in bringing you know adding I think a bit more of a Kiwi flavor but on the day-to-day the way things operated practice and the like how does that actually play out Listen, our goal to bring Kiwis back into the building um, was not around bringing people back to their home. It was around bringing good players into the building and hopefully good players that care about the Breakers. Uh, The fact that you care about a place, grew up uh, liking a place, being part of your upbringing as a basketball player, I think makes it easier to care, care about the right things. It lends towards caring about winning more than anything else. And I think that's what we're seeing in our daily operations. Do you feel the team whilst being stuck in Australia over the last two seasons had periods where they, they, they didn't care as much as they needed to? I think we were like driftwood to a degree. We had people representing the New Zealand breakers who never stepped on New Zealand soil. Right. It's like a traveling AAU team. It's not, you don't represent a city or a country or anything like this. If you've never been there, you've never seen it. It's not. It's just a name on your jersey to a degree. Um, there's no real fix to it. It's, we can talk about New Zealand culture as much as we want. You've never you've never seen a Kiwi person except for the your teammates. Then yeah, it's hard to be connected. We're going to talk basketball. We're going to talk about your team and your players and the upcoming season in a big way. But I, I do want to dive into some of this getting to know Modi Mayor element. You talked about representing there. You, you represented Israel, your home country, as part of the military and the army when you grew up and you came through, right? Like it's obvious, it's an interesting thing on this side of the world, the compulsory. Um, military service you were conscripted how, how long did you spend in the Israeli army and how do you feel like that has shaped you as a man and as a coach well you're getting very personal here um ma- military service is mandatory in Israel men and women uh, women serve for two years men serve for three I was an officer in the Israeli air force I served for five uh, a few different units did a few different things it's a big part of who I am as an individual. Uh, I think it's what led me at the end of the day towards coaching, uh, mm. a path that kind of has leadership, has different challenges, definitely has some pressure and adrenaline, all the things that I kind of strive for, or grew up kind of doing, but looking for it in a different field, loved the game more than anything else. So it was kind of a natural progression. Um, I'm sure it lends to how I lead people. I'm sure it lends to how I operate on a daily basis, but I don't consider myself an ex-military man. Uh, I've been coaching for almost 15 years now. It's kind of how I identify myself. Right. Um, so it's interesting. You say, I'm sure it, it, it lends to how I do these things. Would, your players who work with you on the daily basis, if they didn't know that about your past, do you think it would come as a surprise to them or would it make sense and go, actually, do you know what, the way he coaches us, that doesn't surprise me at all. I think the conception about what a military way of doing things is not what is really. Uh, I think if you would ask the Kiwi, Australian, American, what a military way of doing things, they would say something very regimented, very structured, a lot of rules. Uh, it's really not that. It's the, where I grew up in the military. It's more about personal responsibility, about standards, but encouraging and inspiring people to meet those standards. Um, I hope that's what my players feel. Uh, I don't think they should or need to connect it to the military in any way. And I don't, I'm not sure that they would. That's what a lot of 
them tell me that they experience from you. That's what Findelaney told me when he said, you know why I made all NBL second team? Because of Modi Mayor. You know why I re-signed with the breakers? Because I love working with that guy and he's great for my game. Will McDowell White, uh, we Usman Jiang. When I talk to these guys after at the end of seasons and I say, man, you blew up at the second half of that season. Or man, geez, you really improved your stroke. They say, I, it's, it's Modi's influence. Helping players improve and become the best that they can be. Is that what's driving you? I hope it's what drives most coaches, helping people fulfill their dreams. It's not the only thing. I like the competition. I like the challenge. I like the growth that it requires for myself. I like a lot of things that go into coaching, but helping people realize their dreams and go chase them and live their best lives is, yeah, it's fulfilling. And, and you just spoke about my family there. Like my wife jokes about, we've been in New Zealand for three years and she jokes that the fact I've spent more time with Indelani than I have with anybody else. <laughs> it's probably true. Uh, my daughter wakes up sometimes and she'll ask for Finn or for Caitlin, his girlfriend. Like, the these people are part of my everyday life and i'm happy of their improvement but it has nothing to do with me it's all them like these are very talented you just described three very very talented players um who are also very good people and really really hard workers i'm just blessed to be in their path but that's not really me oh i feel sorry for your daughter did you have to break it to her that he's in germany now she knows she knows she knows she says finn germany finn germany like he knows she knows it's part Take of life. Me there. Yeah, before we changed the names in the locker, so she wanted to see Finn's locker one last time. I went to the locker, took oh. a picture in it. Oh no. Oh, that's a bit sad. Um, no, no it's all good. It's all good. You um I spoke about taking up the reins over from Dan. We you, you are obviously helping to shape these young men. He has had a big influence on you over the course of your journey. And now the breakers are yours to lead. Um Man, what are we, like five weeks out from the start of the season? Uh, four weeks, perhaps? How are you felt? Like, are you nervous? No. No, I've been waiting for this for a while. Uh, had my first head coaching stint like four years ago. Since then, I've been marinating in that failure, just waiting to get another whack at it. Obviously, I always have my feet where they are, and I tried to be the best assistant and associate coach that I could. Uh, but I've been waiting for this for a little bit, so no, nervous now. Excited. What excites you? Honestly, first day of preseason was what I was looking forward to. Just starting to implement and coach and get things going the way I want them to be done. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And how do you think, how is that different? I've heard just word back from, from the breakers camp a little bit saying it's a different, it's a different vibe. You know, I was there at practice at times with Dan, especially at the NBL NBA games when he first arrived and I got to see how he runs a practice session. How is it different, do you feel, with you at the helm? I mean, Dan are very different people. Um, there's no reason it would be similar. Okay. Um, who you are as a coach and who you are as a person comes into play and what's important to you and how you run practice and what are the things that matter to you more or less. There's really no reason they would be similar. Uh, I'm not surprised that they feel different to people, but there was no goal of being different. It's just being myself so okay speaking of being yourself i think you most people over here the impression they have of you is as a live wire and a high energy assistant coach who is up and about and screaming and yelling and pointing and the wearing his heart on his sleeve is is that gonna is that gonna be you as a head coach 
or are you going to temper some of that in that role? If you really look at how I conduct myself during games, and you'll see it's not always the same. Uh, what I was in season one was not what I was in season two, and it's not what I was in season three. It's tailored to two things. It's tailored to A, what the head coach does, and B, what the group needs. Mm -hmm. uh, as an assistant coach, your job is to support the head coach's vision and what he wants to see from a team come through. So you do what you can to help that happen. If what they need is a kick in the butt, then you can give a kick in the butt. And if what they need is a hug, then you can give a hug. Um, as a head coach, it's different. The responsibilities are different. They're still tailored to what your group needs from you. And what your group might need from you can be different on different days. Uh, tail end of a back-to-back -back with shit travel, they might need a kick in the butt. Or after a win, they might need somebody to keep them even killed. So I think that I'm hoping I'll be able to conduct myself that way and give my guys what they need. All right, well, one of the guys that you're going to be giving either kicks in the butt or hugs or cuddles or things along the way this year is Will McDowell-White. I spoke <laughs> to him on the huddle a little while ago. Well, what did you take? What did you think about the conversation he and I had? Man, it took me like two years to get Will to talk that much. So, <laughs> uh, that was impressive on your side. Um, yeah, I'm happy people are getting to know the person that I know. And I think people are starting to get to know also the basketball player that I know. Uh, yeah, and it's a very good person and a very good player. Who are you more besotted with, your daughter or, or Will? You're using words I don't understand, man. <laughs> Who am I more? What? Besotted. What does like, that mean? It means like love and adore. My daughter. But Will's a close second. <laughs> okay. So 16, 8, and 8. It's a good standard for him. Yeah. It's really about being impactful every moment when he's on the floor. Yeah. If he is attacking every possession on both sides, if he's seeing everything as an opportunity to create an advantage for us as a group, for himself, for the team, then I think the numbers will land somewhere in that vicinity. It doesn't matter really what it ends like from a, like a box score standpoint. It's about not letting any possession go by, attacking every one of them. And with his talent level and IQ and feel for the game, if he does that, great things will happen. And so I, I framed it to him like I asked him, do you, do you have the keys? He said, yep, from what I heard, I do. Is that, is, that how it, is that what you guys have talked about? I don't view a team as something that somebody runs. Yeah? So if you have the keys, you're saying, okay, you're driving this bus and you take us to where we need to go and you get your Charles Barkley quote in there, whatever you want. This is not how I see a team operating. Will's job shared with other players in this team is to create, create advantages for us on offense. I see him as a focal point to everything that we do. Now, he doesn't need to drive this bus. He doesn't need to do things that he's not, that is not who he is. And I don't think any player should do that. There's one captain on this team, it's Tom Abercrombie. Like if you walk into this locker room, this is his locker room. Uh, but on the floor, Will, whenever he's on the court, I expect every possession of him to be an impactful one. Love it. He's going to be sharing the backcourt with Barry Brown Jr. Finally yep. announced by you guys, given the, the, the administrative elements of what's happened with Hugo moving to France. Uh, I've described him as a defensive-minded two-guard. You reminded me, hey, just so you know, like this guy can get some buckets at the same time. Tell us yep. a little bit about Barry Brown Jr. Yeah, so I mean, BB is, like all of our players, underrated um i don't think people or the basketball community at large kind of uh, comprehend everything that barry can do he is a two-way player legit uh, two-time defensive player of his conference in college steals are not really a metric that can 
tell you how good a defender a person is, but he's averaging, he's consistently averaged over two, competes, fiery, also a very good athlete, very competitive, um, can score in a lot of ways, was second in the BBL, which is a good league and points per minute. But his career is, his professional career has taken a few turns. Not all the decisions he's made have always been perfect fits for him. Um, there's also a lot of room for him to grow. Yeah, he's uh, so a, a little bit wild at times. He needs to learn how to read the game and control. And I think he's, there's a lot to like from him as a player. And I think there's a lot of upside. I, I think that way about a lot of our guys. Wow, you talked about it, but there been a lot to like and upside, and my mind immediately went to Rayan Rupert. 18. I was about Isaiah Leafa. <laughs> hey, we can talk about Isaiah Leafa. Man, he's been the biggest surprise for me since preseason started. Skill level is higher than I thought. Basketball IQ is higher than I thought. There's a lot to like. That. It's, just, it's been a theme through all of our preseason. There's a lot to all of our guys that still isn't untapped. Uh, looking forward to uncovering all of it. But yeah, Isaiah has been uh, a blessing for us. Okay, nice, nice. And that's not even, you know, starting to talk about what we know he can already do at the defensive end of the floor. Yeah. And we're showing that with Southeast Melbourne. Okay, well, that's exciting. Yeah. A Kiwi guy coming back home and showing out in the start of preseason. But let's talk about Rayan Repair, 18 years yeah. of age, 6'7", with an incredible 7-3 wingspan. Not even 6-7 anymore. We just measured him after practice. Like, this kid just keeps growing and growing. It's like 6-7 and three quarters now. Okay. I don't even know what the wingspan is. Every day he looks just bigger and bigger. It's incredible, the physical tools. You said that the basketball world probably, probably underrates a lot of your guys. Yeah. We're all going to get to know Rayon Repair a lot better this season, and so is the international landscape. Well, what do you think he could potentially become? Oof. I've been in this world for like the last three years. We've been dancing around with next stars. So I keep getting this question about what do you think this dude can be? I don't know. Like this, I really don't envy NBA scouts who need to look at an 18-year-old and say, hey, this is what he will be when he's 25. I've during my career, I've up scouting 26-year-olds, thinking they're going to be something that they're not or that they aren't something that they are. Um, what Ryan is at the moment is the purest version of a hooper. This kid is like from 1985. Like there is no confusion about him. He doesn't care about anything except basketball. He doesn't like the idea of being a basketball player. He likes playing basketball. Hmm. His work ethic is off the, just off the chart insanity um competitiveness the toughness the way he takes on mistakes so mature it's a lot of fun to be around uh, and yeah and obviously very talented wow wow so last season with Usman we knew I mean you can tell some things about some of these kids one thing we knew with Usman it was going to take a little bit of time I was yeah. preaching patience with Jiang at the start of last season he's not a guy like Lamelo who's going to come out in the blitz blow everyone away. He's going to ball out right from the get-go. It's going to take a little time. Is it a similar long game with Rayan or is, a, is he a little bit more ready to go? No, it's a similar long game. Um, he's still, I mean, the first thing about Us was the physical profile. Like you just saw Us from afar and you know you were dealing with a kid. Like long, lanky, pimples, like, like, like a baby. Um, yeah, Ryan is very similar. Like I said, still growing, skinny, um, still needs to put everything together from a physical standpoint 
Uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that he still needs to learn. And there's the adaptation from playing against kids to playing against adults where there's no shortcuts to it. Yeah. Anybody who's played basketball at any degree, when you go out and you play at the park, when you're a 15 year old and the group of 33 year old guys come in and play with you and you get screened by a man, it's different. Mm. It just hurts differently. So Ryan is going through this adaptation period, especially a kid with his physical tools. You were, he was always like the predator from a physical standpoint. It's the first time he's playing against people that are stronger than him, faster than him. So there's an adjustment. Uh, but yeah, if you want to bet on somebody making the adjustment, it's a kid with this kind of approach. RJ, Uz, Hugo, Narayan repair. I mean, you guys, you, Dan before you, Matt Walsh, you guys obviously believe in the Next Stars program as something that's good for these kids and you, uh, the, the, the environment that you can provide. Yeah, 100%. We also think... It's, it's something that's important to us. So we also put in the time and the effort to think about what we've done wrong and what we can do better. Whether it is what kind of next star you bring in and what kind of person, uh, what's the environment like, what are the things around him, how's life, what does the physical preparation look like, what do they eat? Like we keep looking at how we do this in order to do it better and better, to shorten their learning curve, to give them the most out of it um, and to get back the most out of it on the floor to have another productive player in your rotation who helps you win games. What do you think Jarrell Brantley can get done in this league? Yeah, a lot. Hopefully a lot. Uh, JB is first and foremost, uh, a special person uh, established himself as one of our leaders from the first minute he steps on the floor, charismatic personality, part of the, vibe and energy that you're describing and you said that people feel when they walk into our gym he's partly responsible for it is this kind of dude and that was important for me to have people like this in the building from a basketball standpoint i just need to look at him a little bit the physical profile is unique strong exceptionally strong but at the same time fast skilled uh, loves the game student of the game there's yeah, kind of everything you want from your power forward you flagged to me that you felt like he was a he was a defensive player of the year 100%. potential guy. 100%. 100%. Uh, the term defend one to five is something that gets thrown uh, gets thrown around like a lot. Most of the time it doesn't really stick. Uh, two to four, two to five, one, uh, not a mismatch no matter who he defends. Right? And you see it in practice sometimes. So he'll pick up Will full court or he can hang in the post with Rob and yeah, can legit, legit defend all five positions. Fantastic communicator. Uh, another dude with a 7-2 wingspan. Right? Uh, long physical presence. Everything you want from a defender. Yeah, you've got some guys in that regard. I mean, Tom Abercrombie, maybe not one to five, but one to four. And Dan yeah. would often say, who is it? Jerome Randall, Jalen Adams? Like, let's put, this, put Tom on him. Yeah. And you've got Rayan as a next star who has those kind of instincts. We spoke about uh, Isaiah Liafa. You spoke about Barry Brown Jr. Jr. I mean, you got a team this season that has the potential to lock up. Yep, and Derek Pardon, our five man. As versatile as it gets, 100%. This is by design. This is on purpose. This is part of what I think wins games. Uh, yeah. Now it's on us to execute on that side. And you're going to be doing some of that, half of that in the regular season at home in New Zealand, touch wood. Let's hope, make sure that everything go, goes as planned, but you're back 
home in New Zealand. Uh, your family can stay there. Tom Abercrombie can be there with his family on a daily basis uh, when for most of the season. The feeling amongst the group, knowing that that lies ahead of you this season. Yeah, I got mixed emotions about this whole thing. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a relief to know that we don't have this doom and gloom thing looming over us that we need to go and relocate again and live in a hotel room and do all that kind of stuff. But I keep hearing that, oh, Breakers are going to win games. Now they're back home. It's not a, we didn't get a bonus. It's just an even playing field now. Like, it's just back to like what normal life should be. You get to have home games like any other team in the world. Um, it's not an advantage for us that we get to play home. It's just not a punishment that we don't. So the way we approach this for me is like business as usual. This is kind of the way things should be. And yeah, I'm not even knocking on wood. I don't see any other way. Like it has to be this way and there is no other way of doing things for them, like moving forward. And that's it. Yeah. I've just been beaten down by the last. I'm just happy. I am happy for the people and their personal lives. You know, yeah. the, we think about it from a sports, you know, from the, how does it look like when you compete like this and no home games, no fans, no whatever. Mm. You got people living on the road for six months without their families. You know, I went home after the last two seasons, saw my parents, they aged. It's been two and a half years because of COVID, we couldn't be home. Like people have missed out on the stuff that you miss out in order to fulfill their responsibilities to the breakers and to the NBL. So I'm just happy that they, everybody here will have a chance at a, a good, nice, normal life outside of the court but from a basketball standpoint it's just business back to normal yeah good shout good shout and rest assured everyone over here is happy about that for you guys not not and it's a great point you make it's not like you've gained some kind of advantage over the competition but it's just got back to how it should be but one element of it is a, that is a good advantage is that the breakers have traditionally um played very well at home you know, like the crowd gets around it. It's an international trip, of course. You know the challenge coming over and playing road games here. It's the same for teams coming over there. And that first game, it's going to be your second game of the regular season, but it's your first, it's your home opener at Spark Arena. I mean, what is your message to break a nation around the upcoming season and that first game in particular? I think the main message is that we feel a responsibility and we want to make them proud. We want to put a team on the floor that resonates to what the Kiwi sports fan thinks is the right way to do things. And we hope that they see it from the second we hit the floor, from the first game in Melbourne to the second game against the Jack Jumpers to the last game of the season. That's kind of my only message. And I think that if we do, we do succeed at doing that, yeah, we put a team on the floor that competes every moment, then Spark will be popping and we'll be fine. Awesome, man. Well, I can't wait for Spark to be popping. I can't wait for the breakers to make everyone over there proud this season and to watch your journey as the head coach of the team. So thanks heaps for the chat and good luck with the season ahead, mate. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.